All right, we're getting ready to get to work, so I'm kicking off a new series today called Dream On. And uh, everybody shout, Dream On. Dream on. Big idea is don't stop dreaming regardless of your stage or age of life. Keep dreaming. God uses uh, dreams. We're going to talk about that over the course of the next several weeks. Uh, and I want to give you some homework. I, I call it the January Challenge. All right, all right. Uh, tell the neighbor next to you, tell him, listen up for the January challenge. Tell him. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm talking to you guys. Listen, so here's the January challenge. Uh, uh, this series is going to be shaped around uh, the, the, the life of Joseph. And you'll find his life story in Genesis uh, chapter 37 and then 39 through 45 in particular, what I want us to focus on. And so I want you to spend the next 30 days, uh, the month of January, reading through that story. And what I want you to do is to just allocate 15 minutes a day. I want you to do a little reading every day. Tell the person next to you he's talking to me. Tell him. <laughs> so it'll be 15 minutes a day. How many minutes? 15. 15 minutes a day. But I don't just want you to read. I want you to bring a notebook or an electronic tablet. I want you to have it with you. So there's two things you need to do. Number one, I want you to schedule it. Think ahead of time. When am I going to do my 15 minutes of reading? Is it going to be early in the morning? Is it going to be doing my lunch break? Or maybe I'm flexible so I can, I'm going to schedule. Put it in your calendar, the January challenge. Or maybe it's in, it's in the evening or before I go to bed, or whatever the case is. But schedule it. Actually write it out. Schedule it. Your January uh, challenge. And then, when you're reading, I don't want you to journal a lot or write a lot, but I do want you to take some brief notes, just a few notes. And, and here's how I want you to do I want you to think about what are the questions that come to your mind as you're reading. And if you, there are some questions coming up, write those questions down. Uh... And then secondly, I want you to think about what are, what are some insights that just jump off the page for you as you read it. Make you go, hmm, uh-huh. Those kind of insights. Uh, one, another way of getting into it is, is simply uh, as you're reading it, uh, you know, you just ask God, you know, you know what is it you, you have to say to me? Uh, what do you think God is saying to you? Uh, and you don't have to you know, you don't have to know it 100%. You just you think God might be saying this to me. I want you to write that down. And, uh, and just, just do that during the course of it because I just believe that as we engage God's word, God engages us. And, uh, and he'll surprise us during the month of January, the way we kick off our first month. Uh, okay, everybody say Amen. Amen, amen. All right, all right. So I'm assuming that you guys are going to uh, take that challenge uh, to heart. Let's see if there's anything else. Okay, good. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, the last few days uh, of 2016, I took it upon myself to call some people and text some people who are, no, who are not with us because of life circumstances. They've moved, uh, some across the bay, others across the country. Just to let them know, because they were uh, huge volunteers and supporters of us, uh, that we love them, we miss them, we're so grateful for what they're doing. 
How many of you know that it's, it's, it's just really good to say thank you every now and then, right? right? And so I, I did that. There was one lady in particular who I'm going to call Mary uh, that I, I didn't get a chance to reach until yesterday. And I took a break from my sermon prep and gave her another call. And uh, I reached her. And Mary was an extraordinary volunteer here. Her life was kind of centered here in the NBCC and in this community. When our spouse retired, they moved to another part of the country to help take care of her parents. And as I was talking to her, she was just reminding me what a, what a year of loss 2016 had been for her. Uh, first of all, she lost her community. When she moved from uh, one part of the country to the other, she lost her church, her, a lot of her family and friends who were connected here to start all over again. Secondly, uh, her father died, who she had moved to help take care of. And then thirdly, after three decades of marriage, her marriage ended in divorce, horribly. And uh, can somebody say loss? Loss. And so while I was talking to her, I, I was really kind of, uh, you know, in my mind saying, Lord, if you could just whisper a nice a word that I want to just share with her that would encourage her uh, as she prepares for 2017. And and I didn't sense anything, but I just said a few general words of encouragement, got off the phone. And uh, after we ended the conversation, went back and prayed with her, and then went back to my study. And then as I was studying, working, I ran across what has been for me an obscure verse that we're all going to read together. And it was pretty amazing when I found it. So... It's, it's at the end, of, almost at the end of Joseph's stories in chapter 41. Uh, it's verse 52. And if you'd stand, we're going to read, read it. All right, listen to this. And Joseph is, you know, he's at the pinnacle of his success. He's naming his, his two sons. One is Manasseh. Uh, and then verse 52 says this. It says, Joseph named his second son Ephraim. For he said, let's read this together. God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Let's do it again, where it starts with God. Say it again. God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. Amen. Please be seated. God bless our time with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When I read that, it was as though... The words leaped off the page. Some of the experiences I hope will happen to you as you're reading through the next 30 days. And immediately Mary came back to mind. And it was one of those moments where you just know, wow, this is a word for Mary. So I heard, I got in a hurry and text Mary and explained to her what had just happened. And then said to her, listen, I think, I think God's word for you is that in 2017... God's going to make you fruitful in the land of your grief. And she texted me back. It was a real, you know, blessing for her. And then I went back to my work here and thinking about dreams and so forth and so on. And then it was as though somebody tapped me on the shoulder and I recognized, hey, I think this is a good word for the folk that I'm going to be talking to on Sunday morning. I mean, I actually think some of you, so let me just say to somebody, to y'all here, this is a good word, I believe, straight from the Lord. He says, hey, God wants to make you fruitful 
in the land of your grief. How amazing that is for me. Now, for some of us, we relate to Mary because we've had a series of, you know, some crises. Someone died that we love. Relationships have been broken and challenged. And, you know, we start 2017, you know, in a real place of kind of obvious grief, health issues, so forth and so on. And so this is a good word that God has said, I'm not going to have you to move, change your geography, change your, I'm going to make you fruitful in the land of your grief. Right where you are. Shout fruitful. He didn't say, I'm going to make you successful, although that could be implied. He didn't say, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to make you uh, influential, although that may be implied. He said, I'm going to make you fruitful. It's a little bit more than successful. So it's, it's, it's productive. It's impactful. It's, 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 it's a life of meaning. Then there are some of the rest of us for whom our stories are not as dramatic as those obvious kinds of challenges. Here's the challenge we're facing as we go into 2017. It's a more subtle challenge. It, it, essentially, it's a challenge that says that Deep down inside, we really don't believe that 2017 will be much different than 2016. Although we were partying last night, blowing those little horns, celebrating Happy New Year, drinking all the sparklies, whatever, whatever you were drinking, uh, <laughs> celebrating. But the fact be, for some of us, deep down inside, we really don't think it's going to be much different. I mean, it's even reflected in some of the resolutions that we've already decided to make, right? Some of us are thinking, you know, just writing the resolution reminds you of some stuff that, that has been challenging. You know, you write and say, this year, I'm going to lose weight. And it, it reminds you that last year you lost weight, but you gained it back plus some. Are you right? This year I'm going to exercise. Just writing that reminds you that last year, at the beginning of the year, you purchased a you know a, a, a subscription, a membership in a, in a gym somewhere, or you bought one of those things off a of TV. And you might have went once. And you haven't even gotten the thing you bought out of the box. Are you right? Uh, this year I'm going to spend more time with my family, which reminds you as you write that, that you made the same commitment last year. But it did not reach fruition. And so deep down inside, there's this nagging kind of thought. I'm going to go through the motions, but I, I, I hope it's going to be better. But kind of, sort of, probably not. And what I'm saying to you, that if that's where you're living, that is its own unique land of grief. And I have fabulous news for you. I believe God has, has, has raised up this little country boy from Keshada to tell you on the first day of 2017, I'm going to make you fruitful. Right? 
in the land of your grief. Somebody shout, how? how? Oh, I love that question. It's a great question. All right. Let's go to Joseph's story because I think it, it, it helps us. To... Joseph's story starts in chapter 37. And what's interesting about Joseph's story as it emerges in chapter 37 is, first of all, how it presents God. The insight that it gives us, in a sense, in terms of who God is and how God interacts with our lives. In every stage and every age of our lives, God is relating to us and interacting with us. And the first thing that we learn about God in Genesis 37 is that God is a dream giver. Can you say dream giver? I mean, I know we talk about God as Savior. He is that and Son Jesus Christ. We talk about him as Redeemer and we talk about him as Deliverer and, and we talk about him as our healer. And in fact, we can, we, you, all of those things are true. We, we relate and experience God in those different ways. But, but, but it is kind of a fresh insight, don't you think, to consider that God is, is a dream giver. And what, what's fascinating about dreams is that they have a tendency to disrupt the norms. They have a tendency to open up spaces for new possibilities. Shout dreams. Dreams. He's a dream giver. He's a dream giver. He's a dream giver. We know this because that is, what, that is the catalyst of Joseph's story. As a matter of fact, at 17 years old, in chapter 37, we meet Joseph, a 17-year-old, brass, spoiled, wet behind the ear, insensitive teenager. I'm not talking about teenagers, you know, I'm talking about Joseph. <laughs> and, and he comes on the scene, first of all, not only is all that, but he's in a highly dysfunctional family. We know the family is highly dysfunctional because he's introduced as uh, Jacob, his father's son, who Jacob loves Joseph more than he loves the rest of the boys. And in verse 4, it says that the other 10, they know that the father loves Jacob. He, he bought Jacob a beautiful, multicolored, Coat. Joseph, thank you. Jacob brought Joseph. All right, y'all with me. I'm just going to make sure you're paying attention. <laughs> so Jacob brought Joseph this multicolored coat so he would stand out. It's kind of like the, 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 some of the tennis shoes you watch the basketball players. You know, some of them are wearing the neon green. They'd stand out. So Joseph stood out. So verse 4 says his brother's hated Joseph because they knew that the father loved Joseph more than he loved them. That sounds like some of our families. Shout highly dysfunctional. So, and Jacob is about as immature as you get. Because evidently, you know, at 17 years old, you can just imagine the dynamics that's going on. They don't like him. 
They're giving them a hard time in all kinds of different ways, maybe picking on them, bothering them, playing all kinds of pranks on them. I mean, they're reminding him, we don't like you. And so Jacob, this is this, the story starts, has a dream. He actually has two different dreams, but essentially it's the same dream that shows up in two different ways. And, and to show you how Jacob is not really, you know, where he needs to be when he has the dream, he's like, hey guys, I want to share my dream with you. <laughs> what dream? He says, hey, <laughs> I was, uh, I had a bundle of, uh, of wheat and there were some other bundles of wheat, yours bundles of wheat, by the way, and and my bundle of wheat stood straight up, and all of your bundles of wheat bowed way down to mine's. He said, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think they liked that story too well. Well, that was his dream, right? He kicked off his, this is a dream. A few verses later, you find him sharing another, he, he, this time he called daddy. He said, hey, everybody gather around, gather around, gather around. He's got all this multicolored coat. He's really happy. He said, hey, I had another dream. What is it? The sun, the moon, and 11 stars, one for each one of his brothers, all bowed down to me. It was a bad dream. What you guys think about that? You can hear the immaturity in Jacob, right? Joseph. <laughs> Maybe I had a late night last night. <laughs> Thank y'all. <laughs> you, you can hear the immaturity in Joseph. What kind of brassness. Kind of rub it in your eye. Doesn't fully know what that dream means. But it represents power. Influence. Being on top. That was enough for him. But the writer of the chapter expects us to know that God gave him that dream. And for the next 13 years, because by the time he gets to the, the, being the prince in the Pharaoh's court, his life goes through ups and downs and twists and turns. He's sold into slavery, and he's sold into slavery again and ends up in Potiphar's house. And he rises to the top because the scripture wants us to know God's favor is with him. Then he's falsely accused of rape, trying to rape somebody. He lands back in a horrible prison he's staring in prison innocent but in prison back to the bottom rises back to the top before he knows it he's out of prison now he's second in command to pharaoh in egypt all of, but but all the while you see in the background the unfolding of a dream what, what, what i'm trying to tell you is that 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 if you let God, the dream giver, give you a dream for 2017, it doesn't mean that life's going to be great. It doesn't mean there won't be any disappointment. It doesn't mean there won't be some dips and some valleys. It doesn't mean there won't be some, some, some unexpected twists and turns. But if you will allow yourself to open up to a God-sized, God-given dream, I tell you, 2017, God can blow your mind in 2017. 
He can. He can. He's a dream giver. Second thing we notice about the text is <clears throat> that in chapter 37, when you read it, you'll discover that there is absolutely no mention of God in chapter 37 at all. And when we start back with the story in 39, tons to talk about God, but not in 37. When the dream is first introduced, lots of talk about the dream, no God talk. Well, one of the insights that we can draw from this is you might have grown up in a house where there was no talk about God. You might just be a guest here today. And for, for which, when you think about your life, you say, Look, I'm not a Christian. I'm not really your person of faith. Right? But the insight of the text is, even if you don't know God, that does not stop God from giving you a God-sized dream. Matter of fact, it's somewhat of an indictment on the church that, 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 that God gets a lot of God's work done outside of the church by dropping God-sized dreams in the minds and the hearts of people who pursue them. And they don't even know they're from God. But they're changing the world as voices for justice, fighting to resolve homelessness, trying to help folks struggling with mental health out there because there's a God-sized dream. The other good news about it is that, 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 that God will give his dreams to highly dysfunctional people. Wow. Somebody say, wow. <laughs> Tell somebody next to you, that means I qualify. Tell them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen. Joseph is in a highly dysfunctional family, and Joseph is pretty highly dysfunctional himself. But the dream still comes to him. In other words, God is not waiting till you get your life straightened out and everything settled before he drops the dream. For many of us, he, he drops a, 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 a God-sized big dream in your heart while you're a child, while you're a teenager. Come on. And, and sometimes we push it to the side because it's so big it frightens us. Uh, and, and, and now some of us in our older age, if we would stop and listen in 2017, we'll find that dream that we've been sidestepping is still there. Ready to disrupt the normal course of your life. Ready to open up some possibilities that you can't even imagine. Just think, here's the point. If Mary, if, if Mary, who I talked about earlier at the beginning, could, 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 could find her God-sized dream, God could make her fruitful in the land of her grief. Here's a, here's a point worth writing down. Grief, failure, and sometimes success has a way of suffocating our will to dream. Everybody shout, dream! Now, when we say the word dream, there's a, there's a, react, just to be honest, there's a reaction for many of us. I mean, it unsettles some of us. Just the word itself, it unsettles some of us. I mean, for some of us, we think, well, you know, dreams are for people like Joseph. He, at the end of the day, he changed the world. I'm not a world changer. Dreams not for me. Please don't challenge me with that. Just, 
I'm not in that category. Somebody else is here saying, oh, I don't like dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to somebody today and they, they said that their, their house and their culture didn't teach them to dream. Just talk to them, be practical. So there's some folk here who's thinking, you know, dream, that's, you know, that's the, for the people who are grandiose. You're thinking, you're thinking, you know, you know that's for people like Pastor Herman. <laughs> 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 you know, you're like, like, no, my feet is planted to the ground. Solid. Let me be dreaming. And some others here are thinking, I would like to dream. I just don't want to get hurt again. I, I kind of been there, did that. And, you know. I don't know. I want to keep my heart close. <laughs> Might I point out at this very moment that there is a distinction between personal ambitions and God-given dreams. And that what many of us have known has been personal ambitions. I'm going to tell you what the distinction is ultimately about personal ambition and God-given dreams. And we'll see it in the text. I'm going to tell you the story real quick, quickly. Uh, personal ambition is about you most of the time. Now, compare that to what I want to call a God-given dream. A God-given dream, everybody shout big dream. It has some characteristics and you'll see it in, in Joseph's story. First of all, first of all, it's, it's usually big. It's big. It is so big that more often than not, you don't feel comfortable telling other people about it. Because you think somebody's going to laugh at you, make fun of you. Secondly, not only is it big, it always involves folk other than you. It's never just limited to you. It's never just about what you can acquire, what you can get. It's always about positioning you to be a blessing, not to get a blessing. Thirdly, it always, everybody say always, it always requires, it, it's so big, it's so impossible, that unless God gets involved, it will never happen. Those are the kinds of dreams that can turn 2017 into an exciting year. Disrupt the normal course of your life. Break up the mundaneness of your life. Big God-given dream, regardless to your age or stage. God has a dream just for you. Let me tell you a story. I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't know. I don't have a lot of money. I'm trying to get through school. I'm talking about all this stuff. I want to introduce you to somebody. Every year, CNN has a I've been tracking it a little bit over the last few years. It's an incredible program. They call CNN Heroes. And this is the 10th year that they've been doing it. 
the premise is simple. CNN uses all of its resources. They go throughout the world. Watch this. Looking for regular, everyday people. Who, now these are my words, who's been overtaken by a God-sized dream. CNN wouldn't use that language, but if you watch these stories, you'll see it immediately. Every one of them. They've been overtaken by a God-sized dream. And they're changing the world. They're doing incredible things. And CNN brings them to the forefront. I got one. That, now, so this year they had 10. And the person who won, so they got 10 heroes, and then, the, then they pick out of the 10 what they call uh, the CNN hero of the year. The person who won, let me tell you in advance, I'm going to mispronounce his name. His first name is... Uh, 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 Jason spelled uniquely J-E-I-S-O-N and, and the last name is Arista Zabal that's not how you pronounce it but that's the best I can do and it's, it's up there on the thing so you can see it now let me tell you about Jason I'll just call him Jason Jason is born in, in Cali uh, uh, Colombia and one of the poorest countries in one of the poorest areas of that country and he has cerebral palsy born with cerebral palsy when he was in his early age the doctor told him uh, you'll never be good for anything and you know that people who in certain poor countries around the world if you have a disability they just basically throw you away Jason was blessed to happen to have some parents who had some resources that most folk in his country just didn't have a level of resources and so their resources and his tenacity enabled him to become independent and then right in the middle of the land of his grief Right in the middle of his disability, God made him fruitful. He decided that he was going to help others with disabilities. And so in his parents' garage, he started a nonprofit foundation that over a period of time accumulated the resources to provide both educational and medical services, badly needed services to a wide variety of, of people who are disabled and their families. And over the last several years, his efforts have impacted the lives of a, over a thousand families in that struggling country. And now he's in his early 30s and the one who was told that he, will, he wouldn't mount to anything, come on now, he's now on his way to law school so that he can impact the nation when it comes to the laws that handle folk with disabilities. We celebrate that. This is one picture of not a wealthy person, not a powerful person, as we understand power, but 
an everyday person who doesn't have probably, at least when he started, half the resources that even our college kids have. You're wearing more money on your feet, your tennis shoes, your jeans, than what he probably earned in the course of a half of, of a year. But in the middle of the land of his grief, God made him fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. Fruitful, fruitful. Gave him a life of impact, of trans. And it started because he opened himself up. Now let's, 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 let's measure it against what I just told you. First of all, it was a God-sized dream. It's a big dream. The, 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 the dream that, 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 that he could somehow impact his nation given his own level of disability. I'm sure if he told people, when he told some people about it early on, I'm sure people laughed or they, they kind of egged him on. Secondly, it's a dream that is about more than Jason. He's the least of that equation. Thirdly, there's a dream that is so big that if God doesn't get involved, it wouldn't have happened. But because God got involved, it happened, and now CNN picked it up, and he's a global figure in the middle of his disability. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You don't think God could give you you don't think God has a dream for you in 2017? I say he does. Here's what Jason wrote, this last quote, and then I'll finish this. I'm coming to the end of our time together today. You don't want to miss next week. Tell the person next to you, don't miss next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's what he wrote. Jason said, he used to wonder why God would let him end up with such incredible disability. When he walked on the stage the other night, about a month ago, among tens of millions of folk who were watching him around the world, received his reward that had a $100,000 gift attached to it and a whole lot of other things now that really help his resources. He gave a speech. This is a short speech. Here's what he said, essentially. The words up on the screen. Today, I realize God chose me to help children with disabilities and their families and build a chain of dreams. Well, how did God choose him? I, I don't necessarily... Subscribe to the fact that God gave him the disability. I think that's part of the brokenness of life. I subscribe to the fact that God gave him a dream. That's how he chose it. Most of us have dreams. One person said, 
everybody's been exposed to a dream. The problem is that only a few of us embrace the dream and even less pursue the dream. I talked to somebody, I'm finished now, I talked to somebody uh, uh, this morning and they said, look, I'm so happy for the message that I grew up in East Palo Alto and I, was, I never thought I could dream. I have some folk here struggling with mental health issues and you think that your mental health issue disqualifies you from dreaming. There's some folk here who, because, you know, life has been tough, you've concluded, you know, for a thousand different reasons, dreaming is not for you. Jason has a horrific disability. And yet God is using him to change a country and a world. I'm telling you, God is a dream giver. And I don't care what kind of year you had in 2016. I'm telling you, God's got a 2017 dream for you. So, here's the practical implications of this message. As you get ready to go home and get ready to start your 15-minute reading a day, I want you to ask some some questions as you're going through it. So, here's the question I want you to, the first question I want you to to begin to ask, what, what, what is the dream that God has for me? Not just... And some of you are actually living out the dream. You're already in the middle of your dream. And so this God-sized dream. And so you affirm that and you ought to share that with others so, to inspire others, right? Uh, and I'm not just talking to adults. I'm talking to, 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 to kids. So what, what's the dream that God has for me? The God-sized dream that he has, has for me. What is it? What is it? When you start asking that question. Come on, ask it with me. Say, what is a dream? Come on, ask it. God has for me. That's the first question. Now, I know some of you think, well, I'm past the age of dreaming. I'm like, you know, I'm in my, in my latter part of my life. Well, wait a moment. Let me just remind you, Abraham was 99 years old when he helped to, to conceive the promise. His wife was 90 years old. Now, if you pass 99, we'll talk about it. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to rise up and go lead the people out of, out of Egypt. Come on now. I, I, I'm telling you that God is a dream giver in every age and in every stage of your life. You just have to have enough faith to open up your heart. And right in the middle of the land of your grief. He'll make you fruitful. So you ask the question, God, what is the dream for me? What is that dream you have for me? Uh, and secondly, uh, uh, how do I own it? Come on, say that with me. Say, how do I own it? Say it. How do I own it? How do I claim it once I begin to see it? How do I own it? I want to grab hold to it. I want to say it's mine's. And then thirdly, what's the first step? Come on, say it with me. Say, what's the first step? Say it. What's the first step? For Jason, the first step started in his garage. Wouldn't even hit his parents' garage. 
What's yours? So as you read through this next 30 days, I want you to be asking those questions. And I want you to start this year with a great expectation. The expectation is, I want you to accept this as a word from God to you. He wants to make you fruitful in the land of your grief. Give God a hand praise. Celebrate that good news. Do you have connection cards? You should pull those out. And there are a number of steps that you can say, I'll take right now, including saying yes to Jesus, including saying, look, I want to join. If I'm going to take this journey, I need to take it with some folk. So I'm going to join a small group. This is, I need to join a small group now. You may want to check that out. Under the response to the message, here's my prayer. That I'm praying that you will write as a commitment and as a prayer that you pray over the course of the next 30 days. Throw it up on the screen. There it is. I hope you're right as your response. And I hope you'll mean it. Your prayer will simply be this. God, make me fruitful. Not successful, not power. Fruitful. In 2017. And that begins with you looking for that God-sized dream. God, you've brought us into a new year. For that, we say thank you. And you did it because you have so much more for us. Give us the courage to look for, to identify the dream you have for us in 2017 as we seek to be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.